following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good evening. For those who are joining us now online or perhaps listening to this later, we welcome you. We thank you that you're joining Whoop! There you are. Hope that uh, you find our time this evening. The remaining time encouraging to your heart as we look into God's Word and see what He has for us to learn this evening. Um, I'll invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to Ruth chapter 2. We have concluded our time in the first chapter of Ruth, uh, wherein we learned uh, much about the background of this, the events of Ruth. And um, I have here an outline of chapter 1, but I don't think we'll go through that at the time. It's not super necessary as we just were there. But we do see that in the first chapter, I will just say this, that um, much of the content of chapter 1 is not this kind of promising-looking events much of it is could be characterized as being bleak and hopeless and full of bitterness by those who are mentioned therein, especially Naomi, as we see at the end of chapter 1. And although last time uh, when we ended our, our time in chapter 1, we treated verse 22 as the conclusion to the first major section of the book and its immediate context there, verses 19 through 22, we could say this, that uh, at the same time, verse 22 also sets the stage for the next major section of this book. Let me read that to you now. It says in chapter 1, verse 22, so Naomi returned. This is after her conversation with the folks there in Bethlehem. And the author gives us this note in verse 22. So Naomi Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, all things which we are familiar with now at this point. And the end of verse 22 says this, and this is what sets the stage for the next section here. Now they, that is Naomi and Ruth, came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. We see here a glimmer of hope mentioned at the end of verse 22. What seemed to be all dismay and hopelessness and Naomi's bitterness, now, can I say, the sun comes out for her. And there is, there is an indication here of a ray of hope and promise for Naomi and Ruth as they arrive in Bethlehem as the barley harvest has begun. Has begun, And this is important as it was the first crop that would be harvested there in that region, which means that Naomi and Ruth had arrived at a time that was perfect, so to speak. It would have been good for them as they would have had much food to be provided for as, the, as this harvest continued in the latter harvest's came and went. And now in verse 1, we see that we have a conversation here that will arise between Ruth 
and the man Boaz. But in verse 1, we see Boaz is introduced to this book of Ruth. In verse 1, it says this, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. And there are four things here introduced to us about this man that are of importance to our conversation in our study of this portion of text. First, we are told in verse 1 that he is a relative of Naomi's husband. This doesn't tell us the specific relationship, whether he was the brother-in-law or uncle or cousin. Those specifics aren't given to us here, what that relationship is, except that he is a relative of Elimelech, her husband, and not Naomi. Later in the book, he is referenced as the kinsman redeemer to Naomi and Ruth, which connotes an even more familial relationship. However, the specifics of what this kinsman redeemer is, uh, we'll address that later on as, we, as it comes about. Now, we see the second piece of information that we are told regarding this man is that he is a man of great wealth. We see that there in verse 1. This characterization of the man tells us the kind of reputation that he would have had amongst the community there. He was not considered a commoner, nor a simple farmer, a nobody. He was a man of great standing in his community. It is probable that the author is not only giving a characterization of the kind of material wealth or riches that this man had, but also the character of the man himself, characterizing him as a noble man, a man of great wealth, of good standing, of great nobility in his community. This, we know, is the case, of course, as we see later his actions toward Ruth and Naomi are noble acts of grace and provision and kindness towards them. The third piece of information told to us is that he is, a, he is of the family of Elimelech, there in verse 1. And this information parallels the first piece given, that he is a relative of Naomi's husband. But it also tells us this, that he is not merely of the same tribe of Elimelech, like the tribe of Manasseh, or such, or any of the other 11 tribes. Rather, it tells us that he is of the same clan, which is even more specific. It is a subdivision of the tribe. And so we see there is even a closer relationship between this family and Boaz than what the first item gives to us. Finally, and fourthly, we are told that the man's name is Boaz at the end of verse 1. Boaz's name only appears in two other places in the Bible besides the book of Ruth, that is, in the genealogies of Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3. And this man, Boaz, is the man that God has providentially chosen to provide and meet the basic needs of Naomi and Ruth, which is food. And we see this in the text that we'll be looking at this evening. But later on, we understand this, and it is revealed to us that God has not only provided this man, Boaz, to meet these basic needs, but also much greater needs as well, as the book of Ruth explains and reveals to us. Now, in verses 2 
through verse 16, we see this main idea that God is using, providentially using Boaz to provide for the needs of Naomi and Ruth. God is providentially using Boaz to meet and provide for the needs of Naomi and Ruth. Let me read for you those verses now, and then we'll walk through them in the remainder of our time. In verse 2, it says this, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, that is Ruth, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then, verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from the young men, from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at the mealtime, Come here, and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat down, she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean among, even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. A somewhat lengthy passage, but it's important to understand that this is all part of the same section and storyline here. And we see in verse 2 that Ruth initiates the search for food by asking permission from Naomi to go out into the fields in which she could gather grain. And this request may sound somewhat peculiar to us if we are not familiar with the customary practices of the day. 
Now we see here the intentions of Ruth were to find a field wherein she could glean or gather the scraps, that is, as defined by uh, the Hebrew wording here. And this activity differs from the normal harvesting practice. It's not as if Ruth is asking for permission to go out and to harvest the fields of another person. Inasmuch as what she is requesting permission to do is to pick up the ears of grain that the harvester had inadvertently dropped or had left standing at the corners of the field. Now, this kind of practice or, or the idea of grain being left behind is not accidental. And we know this because the Mosaic law demonstrated that this was to be a prescribed action by the harvesters. That is to say, the Mosaic law demonstrated compassion on foreigners and upon the needy ones within the community by prescribing the harvesters to deliberately leave the grain at the corners of their fields for those who were vulnerable and in need of, of food and provision. We see this, this command prescribed in Leviticus 19, verse 9 and 10, as well as in chapter 23, and also as well as in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. But let me just read for you from Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, which says in the law there, as it's being prescribed, now when you reap the harvest of your land, so this is a command given to those who are farmers, who are harvesters, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor, verse 10, shall you your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. Why? Well, we're told why. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Oftentimes, uh, if I can say liberally, the Mosaic law gets a bad rap as being onerous laws that are not compassionate or caring or gracious. We know, of course, that's not the state, the condition of the law, but we see here even more explicitly demonstrated that God, through his law given to the people of Israel, had great compassion upon the needy and the foreigners, the strangers in the land. Therefore, he prescribes this act of compassion and means of compassion upon the harvesters. Now, Ruth understood that the opportunity to glean in a field rested upon whether or not the owner of the field showed mercy upon the needy like herself. We see this at the end of verse 2. She says, let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain after him, in whose sight I might find favor. The idea of favor here is one of, of mercy, showing undeserved kindness on those who were not deserving. Ruth saw herself in a state of being undeserving of, of this kind of mercy and, and favor, but she nevertheless sought after it that someone might show that upon her. Of course, we know that someone did. And we see, picking up in verse 3, that as she went, she did find favor. And it says in verse 3, as she went and gleaned in the fields after the reapers, 
that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Do we believe it is mere coincidence that Ruth happened to find herself gleaning in Boaz's field? You know, most people today would probably chalk up such an instance to fate or luck or chance. And despite what we may think or assume in this text, interestingly, the author actually, in a way, chalks it up to chance. He says that she happened, that is, she chanced upon this circumstance. However, the notion that Ruth happened by mere luck to end up in the field of Boaz is merely a rhetorical tool that the author is using here. Why is he using it? Well, the purpose is to draw our attention to everything that is transpiring here. This is to say the author uses this ironic statement to undermine purely rational explanations for human experiences and to help us refine our understanding of providence and how God operates. As we read this text, we understand that it can't be that she just happened upon this field. It must be based on what we know about God, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God does providentially act. Yes, God does, of course, we know from Scripture, use secondary means to advance his divine plan. But that is not an excuse for us to assume that everything is by chance. And in fact, as I think about this, there are often times where we think of experiences as being mere coincidence. Well, it's a coincidence that I saw this person and was able to have a, you know, a good conversation with them. It's, a, it's mere coincidence that I, I landed this job and you know, that not only pays well, but, but it allows me to share my faith. You know, it's mere coincidence that, um, you know, that we ended up in this church. You know, even though the conversations around this allowed us... Um, to find out about it through what seems to be providential means. And when, we do, and, when, and when we chalk things up to mere coincidence, this is the disfavor it does for us. It doesn't allow us to give thanks to God as often as we ought to. When we chalk things up to mere coincidence, we are doing a disfavor to God's sovereign actions and ways of operating in our life. It doesn't allow us to pause and reflect and give thanks for how God acts and how he blesses us and how he preserves us. So we must understand that God providentially works through whatever means he desires and is able to accomplish his plan through, yes, both ordinary and extraordinary means. Now in verse 4, it says this, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Excuse me, I I jumped to verse 5 there. 
Verse 4 says, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, Who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? Now as we see Boaz speaking with the servants in this next section, we see that through this conversation with his servants, it reveals more about the character of Boaz. First, we see that Boaz had a good relationship with his servants. And Boaz models well the kind of relationship that a master and servant, or in today's context, a boss or an employee or any superior should have with those under their direction. We see that the character of Boaz here in verse 4, where his immediate conversation with his reapers is, to say, the Lord be with you. What kind of greeting is that? Well, that is one that only comes from someone of noble character whose mind is meditating upon the things of God and whose care for those who are under his charge is one of great kindness and and good consideration. We see that the relationship with the servants to Boaz is similar and of a good nature as they respond to him, the Lord bless you. Now in verse 5, we see Boaz ask this question as he sees and looks upon this woman who is gathering grain in his field, and he asks this question, whose young woman is this? Boaz's inquiry about the young lady in the field demonstrates that he has not yet met Ruth in person, If he had, we assume he would have recognized her by her face. But he does not seem to to know her in that way. The treatment that the servants showed Ruth, we might attribute to the grace that Boaz seemingly demonstrated towards his servants by what we know of his initial interaction with them. Because as we see in verse 6, it says this, So, The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And so she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. We see here two ways in which the servants showed grace upon Ruth allowing her to glean behind them in the field. But also this, we see this notation that she also rested a little in the house. Their initiation to provide a field both for Ruth to glean in in a cool and comfortable place to rest herself foreshadows the favor that Boaz was about to show to Ruth. As I said a moment ago, we can, I believe we can attribute the kind of good favor and kindness that the, his servants showed upon Ruth as a reflection of the kind of care and, and consideration and favor that Boaz showed towards his servants as well. And now here in verse 8, we see that Boaz interacts with Ruth for the first time in this book. And we see here multiple ways in which God has providentially set up that Boaz could and will provide for the basic needs of Ruth. 
and we'll make mention of those here as we go along. Now, in verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? And so he implores her to listen to his, what he's about to say to her and ask and, and request of her. He says this, do not go to glean in another field, nor, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which you, they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from the young, from what the young men have drawn. <clears throat> Here we see multiple ways in which Boaz shows favor upon Ruth. The very favor that Ruth desired to have to be shown towards her from back in verse 2. God was granting that request providentially providing a man by the name of Boaz, who was a relative, to care and to show grace upon her. And Boaz does this in the kind of noble character that he has. He does not refuse to care for her. Neither does he simply allow her to stay for the time being, but showing no more care or consideration further than that for her. Rather, he implores her to stay, to stay and to glean, to harvest the food and the means and the, the grain that she, they, she needs to provide for her basic necessities of life. And not only that, but she, he desires and impl- implores her to stay close by the young women. That is, by his maidservants, those who are under his own care and protection and security. Now Boaz is imploring Naomi to be like one of them, indicating that he is drawing her in, he is caring for her as one of his own now, his own very servant for which he shows great care for. He implores her in verse 9 to not go anywhere else, to reap the grain, but to stay there in his field. And also encouraging her and with the fact that he has commanded the young men not to touch her, to lay a hand upon her in any either immoral or unjust manner. Also this we see at the end of verse 9. Not only does he implore her to stay, to be one of his young, like one of his young women, but he also encourages her and, and blesses her and shows favor upon her by encouraging her to even go to and find a drink to quench her thirst when she is thirsty by the service of his young men. We see here the response of Ruth to all of the favor that Boaz is showing her in verse 10. It says, At his imploring, after hearing all of these things, she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? <clears throat> Ruth is seemingly astonished, unexpecting the kind of favor that she has just received. Perhaps from, Ruth's, perhaps from Ruth's perspective, she was only going out for a day, merely hoping, hoping to find enough grain 
at the corners of a field to meet the necessities of her and her mother-in-law for a day or for a week. And in turn, God has providentially provided far beyond all that she could ever imagine, using the noble man, Boaz, who shows great favor, great kindness, great mercy upon this young woman. And Ruth cannot believe what she has heard. Why, she says, should you take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Ruth recognizes that she is not one of them, and so to speak, when it comes to a Jewish background. She is a foreigner. She is an outsider, a stranger. Why, if anyone would, Boaz, so, so show such great favor upon a stranger? Well, we see that both the reasoning and the, and the character of Boaz demonstrated even more in verse 11. At Ruth's response, Boaz answered and said to her in verse 11, It has been fully reported all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. We see here in verse 11 that Boaz is not altogether unfamiliar with who Ruth is, although he was not able to recognize her by face. We see that word has gotten around town that both Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, have returned. But not only simply that they had returned, but also the character of Ruth has also gone and been spread about as well. As we see through Boaz's response, he says this, that he has, he, it has been reported to him that all you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband he is aware of the fact that Naomi has left everything that she, excuse me, that Ruth has left everything behind from her land. She has left her mother and her land, her, her way of life, her culture, her community, perhaps her relatives and friends, to return to a land in which she was a stranger, to return to the land of her mother-in-law, and to find her rest and security in the people of God, God's people, the nation of Israel. A place unfamiliar to her, but now her home. And so, Boaz says this in verse 12, The Lord repay your work, and full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Notice here the language that Boaz is using. Boaz is noting a very important factor, and that is this, that God is the one who provides refuge and care. Boaz does not leave any of these circumstances up to mere coincidence. He providentially believes that God is the rewarder 
the one who blesses those who do good, and that he is the Lord God of Israel. He is Israel's God, the one who provides refuge to those who seek him. What a wonderful demonstration of Boaz's character and where his mind is in a time like this. As we conclude in verse 13 and through 16, it says this, Let me, Ruth responds then a second time to Boaz and says this, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. In verse 13, we see that Ruth recognizes that Boaz has acted and is acting as her comforter. He is providing the resources, the security, and the basic necessities that she needs to live a comfortable life. She recognizes the kind favor that he has shown towards her, the way in which he has interacted with her as one of his own, though she notes that she is not one of his maidservants. In the following verses, verses 14 through 16, we see even more favor, favor upon favor in which Boaz shows. This is not just mere words that Boaz is, Boaz is giving. He acts upon his promise. He acts upon his, his desire to show favor upon her, not just merely saying one thing but doing another. We see in verse 14 that at the mealtime that Boaz invites her to come and to eat at the table to be like one of his servants and be provided for. We also see that in verse 15 that Boaz also implores his young men who are reaping the field to let her glean among the sheaves and to not reproach her. We notice here that Boaz is showing even more favor upon her. He's not acting as if she's just one of the foreigners or strangers that, as prescribed by the Mosaic law, could could uh, reap from the corners of the field, but also that she could take, may we say, the best of the best, the things that were that the reapers would have gathered, but were leaving behind at the command of their master, Boaz. In verse 16, we see this as well. He says, also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. You may wonder what kind of person of wealth in this day and age shows such great generosity. Oh, may one or two give what they have left to someone in need a charitable donation of sorts. But very few do we see who show great kindness to give of the best that they have for the needy. But that is the kind of man that we see Boaz is and will continue to see through the book of Ruth. And as we conclude this evening, I want to make this note that there may have been somewhat of a responsibility that 
Boaz believed he had to care for this young woman, Ruth. He knew, we see from the text, that he had heard of her. He knew that she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi, who was a close relative of his. And so, in some way, he probably felt somewhat of an obligation to provide for this, this one, this young woman. At the same time, we see that this great kind of favor is really unmatched. This isn't any kind of uh, obligation that he goes to to even allow bundles to fall purposely. This is an extraordinary kind of favor that we see Boaz showing. And Ruth notices that. She notices that he has, sh- he has shown great favor in her sight and that what he is doing is, is undeserving in her mind. And as we continue on in our study of Ruth, we'll see that Boaz is, acts as their kinsman redeemer. As we study that and as we draw parallels between that and, as we may know, between Christ as our redeemer, May you ponder this evening as you go the kind of unmatched favor that our Lord and Savior has shown upon us. Those who were strangers in God's sight, we now have the blessing of being called a child of God, one of his own, whom he lavishes his great kindness and mercy upon in an undeserving manner. What a blessing that is. Let's close in prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that's gone away with us so quickly, but we thank you that we could be here this evening and look into your word. May your word rest upon our hearts. Lord, may the purpose for which we have this specific passage, Lord, no passage in here is coincidence. It is all inspired words given by you so that we may know more about you, and how you desire us to follow you and obey you. And Lord, specifically in this passage, how through the, the manner and, and character of Boaz, we see the kind of favor, not, that, not just that we should show upon others, but it foreshadows the greater kind of favor that you have shown upon us, and we thank you for that, the mercy that you have given and shown upon us in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. May the Lord bless you as you go your way. And uh, we hope that you can join us again Sunday, either uh, online or perhaps in person for uh, the ministry of, of uh, the Willowquets. Good evening, and, and the Lord bless you.